Hi, uh, everyone. Uh, good morning. My name is John Freitag. I'm here again with Lauren Kirby. Uh, we actually had a great discussion earlier, and uh, we talked about volunteerism in hospice. And Lauren's going to talk to us uh, now about unfinished business. Um, as a volunteer, you work with a lot of hospice patients, and you know it's at the end of their life, and there's lots of unfinished business, I'm sure. So tell us a little bit about this, Lauren. So unfinished business is regrets that a patient may articulate while the volunteer is with them. And it could be something small, like it could be, I wish I could see my family home one more time. And as a volunteer, I would say, well, where, where is your family home? And they'd say, oh, you know, it's 10 miles from here. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm in a situation and agreeing that this patient can ride in my car with me, yeah. then I'll say, well, we've got some time. Let's, let's drive out there. And their face just lights up. And they say, really, right now? I say, sure, let's get your shoes on. We'll go for a ride. Yeah. You know? And we buzz out to the family property. And the best thing that can happen is that it's there and that it's been maintained. The worst thing that can happen is that it's an office building. Right. So you never know what you're going to get. Yep. Have you gotten both? I appreciate the effort. Have you gotten both, Lauren? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone ever let you into the house? Have you, have you knocked at the door or you just do a drive-by? We do a drive-by. Okay. I mean, the last thing I want to do is introduce my patient to some kind of risk. You know, right. I don't need them yeah. falling on a porch. Sure. Yeah. So I do try to just be as as careful as I can. Sure. Makes uh, I will go out of out a little bit, but there's a point where I've, I'm an auditor by trade. So there's a point where my risk just right. won't let yeah. me do that. Exactly. But okay. definitely, whatever I can do to help to facilitate anything, I will. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, the trip comes back. We stop and get something at McDonald's. And now they're thrilled because they've never had a meal out before and now we come home and they're just they're just beaming you know when their loved one comes home right um i've had others one of my most interesting was uh she was about 85 or so sleeping a lot during the day uh pulse wasn't quite right uh things were happening and i knew that and so our time together she says she's like to be a nurse she thought being a nurse would be a really good thing. And could mm -hmm. I tell her about that? And I said, well, I'm not a nurse, but, you know, what brings you to this place, you know, now in your life? Sure. So she said she'd been a candy striper in high school and she loved the little red and white outfits that they wore. She thought she could be a good nurse. And I just had to be completely not let my face have any expression and say, mm -hmm. well, I know the college nearby has a great program. Let me get some information, and the next time we get together, let's talk about it. She was all excited. So the next visit, I came with brochures and information, and, and I noticed that she latched on to the pinstripe. So I brought um, some information about what they wear today. Yeah. And we had a great visit, and she came to her own conclusion that she didn't really think she had the time right now to invest in that. And, you know, she died three days later. Right. So unfinished business is just really listening for those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Just some uh, interest that's, that's sparked that you can sort of draw from. Absolutely. Um, one of my most uh, rewarding, I think, and maybe more difficult to actually put together, and I won't say the name of this superstar, but my 15-year-old patient uh, had a brain tumor and was nonverbal at the point where I got involved with her case. And the father always had this star's music going. 
and I said, oh, she loves so-and-so. And she, yes, she absolutely does. We have it on all the time. And I thought, you know, to myself, you know, that person is coming to a nearby venue yeah. uh, where we are. And I'm thinking maybe I can make a few phone calls. And so I called the venue when I got home and they put me in touch with the production company. And between all of us collaborating with the father, we made arrangements for a call to come in to my patient on a particular evening at a particular time. And uh, I wasn't there at the time, but from what I understand was the call came in exactly as it was supposed to. The superstar was on the phone with my patient, right. um, okay. had been alerted that she was nonverbal and there mm -hmm. may not be a response. Right. But uh, that star spent a few minutes with her and her face just lit up and um, she was gone, you know, within two days or so. So um, just being um, engaged and really listening for those opportunities, sure. feeling empowered that maybe I could go and make a phone call and pull yeah. a few strings was very rewarding. And the father was just beyond thrilled uh, that that worked out. And I was too. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's actually is surprising because you, it's, people really want to help, you know, genuinely, I think most people are good. And if you present something to them, it's not a lot of effort for them to call and really make someone's, you know, make someone's day, make someone's life. So I think people are very accommodating and it just, just takes the minute to try. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They just don't think it's going to happen. So they don't do it or they don't, they get scared of the, you know, it might be a bad outcome. So they don't do it. That's, that's amazing that you're able to do that. Yeah. And it's just moving things to action. Right. And what I find is that really at the end of the day, all these folks have is time on their hands. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the horse has left the barn. Um, their, their death and dying process is in motion. Um, the quality of life, we're all trying to achieve that for them. And so just by being open and listening for these opportunities, you find these little things um, it may be something as simple as I had a, a patient who was a Christian and it was just, it grieved her that her son, you know, was not a Christian. And I watched this a time or two and I just said, what would you like to do to move this forward? Right. And I was sort of new at, you know, the whole religion, Christian going to church thing myself. And she said, would you pray with me? And I didn't really know how to pray yet, right. but I said, sure. And she spoke her prayer, mm -hmm. you know, that he would eventually come around and that she hoped to see him again because she was afraid that she wasn't going to see him oh. again. That yeah. was the fear. Okay. And she loved him dearly. And I just, I just kind of closed and just said, you know, amen. Yep. And she just was so relieved that she had been able to release that tension and release that desire and her beliefs allowed her to do that, um, even with somebody like myself who was kind of uncomfortable because it wasn't something I was, I didn't grow up with that. I wasn't used yeah. to it. Um, but, you know, it's just, just being aware and being really in touch, moving it into some kind of action, if you're able, if it's safe for the patient, um, and then just giving them quality of time because that's what we are spending together is time. Yeah. And, we can't just sit and look at each other for four hours. So being a little more creative and finding things like that was a great joy for me. Yeah. And just being there for them to open up to you and uh, express that. That's, that's great that you're able to, to be so comfortable with them that they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I would say for yourself as a social worker and time that you spend, perhaps you also encounter uh, times where they're expressing these regrets. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely when people are um, end of life or, you know, they have a lot of time, like you said, a lot of time to sit around and think and what you should have done better, what you should have done, you know, different. And um, you can't change it. You can't change the past, but you can try to help help move them forward and, um, you know, make peace with it. Absolutely. I had one little lady, um, might have been the same one who, who hadn't been to a restaurant. Uh, it became a habit. And every Sunday we'd go to Roy Rogers and she'd get a double R and a holster of fries and a strawberry shake. And um, it was just a continuation of the poor poverty-stricken childhood and adulthood. And um, it just helped to reset, reset some things for her. Mm -hmm. And I felt like when she, when she passed, that was something we could just kind of check the box on. You know, right. you don't need to say that you've never been to a restaurant. Now you can say that you have. And yep. um, so here's another unfinished business with her. Uh, she mentioned her birthday was coming. And this was one who had alienated her family and she was alone. And so I said, well, when's your birthday? And she told me. And so I thought, well, instead of our outing to the normal, you know, Roy Rogers, there's a steakhouse nearby. Yeah. And I know if she's never been to McDonald's or Roy Rogers, she's never been at a steakhouse. So on my next visit, I was actually able to go to the restaurant first. I dropped off a big cake that was decorated for her. Mm -hmm. And I let them know that I'd be coming back with her and that it was her birthday. And could they, you know, make it a big deal? And they said they would. And so when I picked her up and she thought she was going to her Rogers, we pulled into the steakhouse and she had a surprise party waiting for her. These people got everybody out of the kitchen. They got other customers, big steak meal, big cake came out with candles. Everybody was singing and clapping. And um, it just warmed my heart to see these people in the restaurant rally around my little lady who right. didn't weigh more than 80 pounds. And you couldn't wipe the smile off her face. Uh, and it just, it was really something. That's awesome. That's great. That's so good that you're able to do this. And, uh, you know, it's, it was such a great idea to talk about this subject because I'm sure it's something that comes up, up really often. You know, it does. Uh, it does. And really the message is just live your own life so that you don't have regrets. Uh, try to achieve what you want. Don't take it to your deathbed because... <laughs> There's not going to much it can happen for you at that point. I mean, my little lady wanted to be a nurse and, um, you know, the circumstances didn't allow that, but if they do just don't waste the opportunity because that, that regret will carry with you the rest of your life. Right. And the last thing you want is to not have those things cleared off. Yep. All um, you can do is try, you know, if you give it a, give it a fighting chance, if it doesn't work yeah. out, you know, so be it. But yeah, you got to give it yeah. a shot. So the last, the last story I'll tell you is the, um, uh, there's a little bit I use in a workshop that I, I give um, about demystifying hospice. And it opens with um, the William, uh, the Marshal of England. He served Fort Kings uh, back in the 1200s. And he was very wealthy because of his role. And one of the things that he really wanted was to be put in his Templar uniform one more time. And he had been a Knights Templar. Mm -hmm. 
and his family, you know, went to find the bits and pieces of this thing. You can imagine the chain mail was in pieces and, you know, right. the swords over there and the helmets, you know, somewhere. Anyway, they put this together for him and got him out of his deathbed and uh, in his last days, uh, you know, managed to pull together a Templar uh, uniform. Right. And, you know, put him in it. And you can imagine, you know, what what a very healthy Templar would be like. And now you've got, you know, right. a little right. guy. Uh, but they put him in that Templar uniform. And again, just probably couldn't wipe the smile off his face. And it gave him such peace um, that he died very peacefully uh, at home. And uh, it's just a real special time. And it's a special space. Hospice is a special space. It really is. And it just, it just warms my heart every time I'm with a patient, every time I'm talking about it. And just to see all the ways that hospice unfolds and it unfolds the way that it's intended to for that family and that patient. And to yeah. be part of that is one of the joys of my life. Yep, no, definitely. And that story makes me think of, that's the 1200s, you know, we're in 2020 now and hasn't really changed much, right? You know, there's always something at the end. You just need to get done, you know, so, so thank yeah, you very, very much. much so. Very much so. And what's interesting is it's often things from our, our very younger days. Yep. When you were a child and you want to see that home one more time, you know, uh, whatever it is. Right, um, your formative those, years. That's what sticks with you, right? It really does. And that's what comes out. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, th thanks so much, Lauren. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Well, take care. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye.